This morning we are going to continue in this series called A God We Can Trust, Building a Case. Today's part four, but really part two of last week, so however that works. Yeah, I know, you're supposed to stay alert and be aware of every little detail when I share with you, you remember, and have it all memorized, right, Nancy? <laughs> so, uh, again, this is coming from that concept of um, people not being able to trust this God they hear about. Tell me when I have the clicker back. All right, very good. There we go. In God we trust. Uh, remember this coin, all the U.S. money says in God we trust, but the question is, which God? Because some of the gods we hear about and some of the gods we read about on Facebook, some of the gods we hear about in the news, uh, hanging signs in front of people and show exclusion, not inclusion. Like, this is not the God of the scriptures. So I, I meet way too many people that are questioning who this God is. And when I do funerals with families, or even in weddings now, uh, I'll say, you guys get to choose how much God you want in. You want no God, heavy God, diet God, which one do you want? You know, And basically, a Bud Light, diet God, God Light, do you get it? Yes, it's funny, but it's also real. Because people have this misconception, as soon as they meet a clergy, you know, for a, do a funeral or a wedding, they think, uh-oh, we got to behave, uh-oh, we gotta, it's going to be religious. And I'm thinking, no, this is about celebrating something God has put into place for humanity, not just Christians. Humanity, marriage, and celebrating life at the end of life. But often families will say, well, we're not really religious. One of the first things that comes up every time, trying to make a case for, yeah, you know, please don't be that stuffy preacher who has that altar call at the front and all that stuff. Oh, I hate those things. Because it portrays a desperate God. Quick, last minute, make a decision. Wait a minute. The case I'm building today and the last couple of weeks is he's already made the case for you. He is not desperate for your love. You'll discover you are desperate for real love and discover the God the world has a hard time believing in. Hence, many atheists. I think the atheism is, is a tremendous gift to the evangelical world that has set up a false picture of God. I think they're a great escape because you've got to undo and unlearn, deconstruct all the baloney you've been taught. And suddenly you enter into a, this God's actually good? Why didn't anybody tell me? Anyway, you have to go back and listen to the last couple of messages that we've kind of been working on. Because we talked about a source, we talked about scriptures having a, a play and a role in how we see the true God. We also have healthy church history. Um, we talked about Christ being the one. If he says something about his father, the God we say we believe in, I'm going to trust him. So we built the case for who Jesus is and what he had to say. And now we need to take a look at a pattern that we can trust, verses that prove how God sees us, how God sees humanity. So the pattern of trust is big. The pattern. Is there just one verse that says God loves us? Or is there a lot? Um, I think when we put those pieces together, we can see something more beautiful than what we may have been told. And there isn't a yeah, but in it. Okay, we kick those butts. Because the yeah, buts imply you're not listening. When you throw a yeah, but at the verses I'm going to show you today, 
Yeah, but what about? Stop that. Kurt? Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't worry, he doesn't. <laughs> but when you do the yeah, but, it means you're, you're creating the filter. You're revealing the filter you have in your head of how you see God. I'd like you to explore these verses I'm sharing with you so you see what the scriptures have to say, not Mike Zanker. I want you to see and be able to look up yourself. That's why when we do the video, the video is zoomed in to the screen tight so that you can pause when you're re-watching. If, if you're wondering, did he really just say that? Go back. Yes, I did. You know, however you rewind it. But then you also see the scripture here. You see where I got it from. And I'm using multiple translations. I know some of you just study all week, you know, preparing for Sundays. I know that you're just dedicated here. Yeah, right. So, so I'm bringing you the study. I'm inviting you into the process, okay? Because I think it's really, really important. So um, reconciliation is the part we're on. Last week, we, we introduced what reconciliation is. I'm going to do a really fast recap because this is a term hardly anybody even knows what it means. And the reason I'm focusing on this term is because the, the Christian world has a concept of what it means to be saved, all right? And many of us never question it. We just bought it hook, line, and sinker. Well, if the church says that, then we got to believe it because you can't argue with them or they'll boot you out. Pretty loving place, huh? <laughs> so instead, <laughs> there are some elements and parts of our salvation that we may not be aware of that are not contingent on your magic words or incantation to get God to go into you. Okay? And I think that is a big, big deal. I wish I had my hat. This is big! You know? They, they, remember they got me this baseball cap? This is big. So I love it. I, it is. But this topic is big. And the other question that I think has to be asked, why is this so important? Why am I teaching this here at Hope Fellowship? What does it mean to me when I go into Tim Hortons and get a breakfast sandwich? Like, does this reconciliation really matter? Does that, you know, like, what when I'm doing dishes? Reconciliation, yes. You know, let's wash off. It's like, have an example of being clean. No, 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 no. Here's why it matters. Wherever you go, whoever you meet, whoever you have a fight with, whoever you hug, the person that cuts you off, which are plenty in this town, Whoever it is you connect with or standing beside, you need to see them as God sees them. But before that, you need to see yourself as God sees you. And if you can't do that, you're going to project your faulty, incomplete perspective of God on everyone else and see them either as separated, less than you because you're a Christian, that makes you better, baloney. We've got to stop that separation thing. It matters because it'll cause us to see God better and we can have an authentic trust in this God we say we believe in. Let it get strengthened. That's why it's important. You know, I'm not, there's not 10 steps to reconciliation. I'm showing you what some key words mean. And last week I asked a couple of youth and they said, I don't know what that means. This is important. Reconciliation is assumed that uh, God's done some work, and if you say a prayer, then you get reconciled. That is what we've been taught in the Western world, and it is not true. It is incomplete. 
based on a faulty concept and based on dualism in a big way. And I'll teach on that in the, in the fall probably. But this idea of reconciliation, what does it even mean to reconcile? Really fast, from the Latin, uh, Latin reconciliando, again, I still think it's an uh, uh, Italian pasta dish. So anyway, it means to reestablish. It's a reinstatement, restoration, renewal. Uh, conciliation means the action of bringing peace and harmony. Think about that for a minute. The action of bringing peace and harmony. What do they call Jesus? The prince of what? Harmony. No, peace. You're right. <laughs> peace. Prince of peace. Did he succeed or not? Yes. So the conciliation has happened. Ending action of strife. Uh, reconcile means to restore friendly relations between cause to coexist in harmony. Make or show to be compatible. You have been made compatible. But it's no good to you if you do not believe it. You can still reject it. Objectively, it's still done. Subjectively, in your mind, in your feelings, pff, I don't believe it. And that's okay. That's how big God's love is. It's not dependent on your response. Where am I getting this all from? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 19. I'm going to have about five slides, same blend of verses from different translations. This is going to matter because if we just read it and go, okay, that's nice, there are some key words that we never focus in on. There's some phrases that matter, or we assume it means something, but when you stop and focus, you go, oh, I never saw it like that before. Shoot, no way, it's been there the whole time. That's my point. It's been there. Watch this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and we'll come back to that if later. You'll see it in the, in the comments. We briefly touched on it last week. Has, the word is really since. Um, anyone is in Christ. He is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who, past tense, reconciled us. To himself, where? Through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling believers. Oop, nope. The world to himself. And this part should blow you away because we usually don't focus on this. Not counting their trespasses against them. These are non believers. Whooping up sin, having fun, doing whatever they want to do, Woo -woo, yeah, whatever. They're not counting it against them. That takes some serious love. Hmm. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Again, I'm going to go through the slides because we'll, we'll cover a lot of this. If one translation doesn't hit you, another one should. So this is from the Passion Translation. By the way, go to BibleGateway.com. And you can, you can set it up your screen. I can send you the link. Um, I've got set up for five translations, side by side, all five. And I can go through any one of them. I can compare. Uh, I have the New Living Translation. I've got um, New American Standard, Young's Literal Translation. Got to have that on that list. Uh, the Message. And I have the uh, Passion Translation. There's a ton of other translations there. And when you begin to compare, and by the way, there'll be little numbers beside certain verses, like the A 
Like here you see A, B, C. Well, I've, I've, what I've done, I've copied the notes to what they mean. This is a really helpful gift if you're trying to go deeper and understand, well, wait a minute, what does this phrase mean? What does this word mean? Uh, you're going to learn a lot of cool stuff just by an extra click. Here it is, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 18, same verses. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled, past tense, another translation, same word, reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciliation. Let's go back up to the A part. Where's the A? There it is. This idea of vanished. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, this would include our old identity, our life of sin, the power of Satan, the religious works of trying to please God, our old relationship with the world, and our old mindsets. We are not reformed or simply refurbished. We are made completely new by our union with Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is good news. This is the gospel. The gospel is it's been done Believe it. And when you believe it, everything changes. Some people, they've come to a place where they say a prayer and they suddenly change because they have an epiphany. But really what's happened, the fact has been, it's been true the whole time, they just woke up to it. So whether you say the prayer or not, I'm not going to knock doing it because sometimes that moment locks in a memory of a time. I've done this on this day, this is my commitment, whatever. And then as you mature, your terminology will change. You know, I gave my life to the Lord. (laughs) Really? Nobody does that. He gave his life to you. It's the other way around. Yeah, see how much power you got? Zip. None. Oh my goodness, we're so self-absorbed with this getting to God business. Oh my goodness. All right. Behold, everything's made fresh. So B, and uh, number new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Or behold, a new order has come. This is the introduction of the old and new covenant. Okay, we are under a new covenant now. The old covenant has been abolished, put away, done. And for them, if you're going to talk about context, the old covenant came to an end and was fading away. There were still sacrifices going on. There was still temple worship. There were still offerings. There were still, you name it, the whole system was still in place. But it had ended objectively and was fading. Guess when it ended, ended? Somebody have a fun guess of what year? Starts with a seven and ends with a zero. 70 AD, when the Jerusalem was destroyed, utterly destroyed. And all the records of all the Jewish temple stuff and who's a lineage to who and who can be a priest, gone, wiped out, done. It ended, ended. That old covenant's done. You are not, in fact, are you a Jew? You weren't even under that one. Weird. Huh. Take a look at C. All things are made new. Translated from the Aramaic and applied in the Greek. This is, this is, we are new, not refurbished. I love the way they wrote that. And then lastly, um, who has restored us to a friendship with God, the reconciliation. We have been reconciled. What was, whatever the block was, so let me give you a weird example because I, 
I've been trying to think of something better, but I can't. So let's say uh, I'm here, this is me, humanity, and I'm having a chat with God in the garden, Adam and Eve, right? And then Jesus is going, yo, what's up, high five, and all that fun stuff. So he's, he, we're chatting, having a, a good, healthy, laughing conversation. Something happens, I guess my behavior kind of had something to do with it. And so uh, a piece of glass drops between us, and it fogs up fast. And I, I can sort of hear him, I can kind of see him can't communicate though. I can't hear it. Uh, now I'm, I'm second guessing. Is he even there? And the downward spiral of misbelief enters my mind and the rest of humanity is contaminated by that thing, that block, that hindrance. At the cross, that glass thingy was smashed. That veil in the, in the temple was ripped it happened by Christ, and he restored, reconciled the thing that was hindering my relationship with God. He removed that hindrance and made compatible again so I can have a relationship with God, the real God, not the angry one. That's what reconciliation is like. And the scriptures are clear on this. But we've always read these verses through our religious cubby holes and filters. It's okay. Don't be afraid to remove some of the filters and have new info presented. It, by the way, it's not new. It's just new to you. <laughs> okay? This is good news. Next. Same verse, but the mirror translation. Mirror translation was written by Francois Dutoy out of South Africa. Uh, it's, it's like the Amplified Bible on steroids. Okay, like really wordy. But what he does, he's translated it with thought and phrase in a beautiful way. I would never preach from it. It's just I'll, I'll pick verses because it's easier because he says things beautifully. But for your personal reading, this is a beautiful devotional type Bible. Uh, you don't memorize the verses. <laughs> I promise. But anyway, this is what he says. Now, in light of your co-inclusion in his death and resurrection. Let's go back. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, okay? Now, he says, now, in light of your co-inclusion in his death and resurrection, whoever you thought you were before in Christ, you are a brand new person. The old ways of seeing yourself and everyone else are over. Acquaint yourself with the new. And I think in this world, it's, we're contaminated with Horrible egos, self-absorbed, we don't like ourselves, and then it's affirmed by somebody else who makes fun of us. And because we're already insecure, just builds, 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 we got a society full of insecure people. And what this gospel does, it points you to a mirror reflection. You look in the mirror, you see Jesus, but it's you. You're one with him. Whatever is true of Christ is true of you. You share his identity. You share his holiness, his righteousness. You don't have to try to become more holy or righteous. You already are 100%. Now be. Oh. Let him. It's, it's a life of rest, not stress. I love this footnote. Okay, this has to do with the if. The if in if anyone is in Christ, he's talking about another translation, it is not a condition. It is the conclusion of the revelation of the gospel. Mankind is in Christ by God's doing. 
the verses of 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 16, this is before, and I didn't show this to you because I haven't got time, give context to the verse 17. For as long as we've studied verse 17 on its own and interpreted it, the if as a condition, Paul did not say if anyone is in Christ. He said therefore if anyone is in Christ. The therefore immediately includes verses 14 to 16. If God's faith sees everyone in Christ in his death, then they were certainly also in Christ in his resurrection. People don't stay dead. Christ took all of humanity into himself. This might be scary because you may have to think, oh, but I've learned so much, but I've seen it another way for so long. No, can't be right. Welcome to the journey. And trust the Holy Spirit to do the correcting. Even if you do a whoop-dee, left-leaning, way too far, and then whoop, pendulum goes way over here, it's okay. I've been at Hope Fellowship for 15 years, 16 years starting or something like that. Believe me, I've seen a whoosh. <laughs> you name it. And God's got them. It's not my job to try and, well, you got a little too far to the right. That's their path. Who am I to say? Same with you. Hmm. We are to see all in Christ. Next one from the uh, New Living Translation. This is more common. You'll recognize this. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and gave us this wonderful message of, message of reconciliation. Or the Young's Literal Translation says, and having put in us the word of reconciliation. Because you have been reconciled, this is what we get to tell people. God's not mad at you. He's nuts about you. He's reconciled you. Instead, what we've done, uh, just a second. God has a wonderful plan for your life. You are separated from God because of your sin. Yep, you're a sinner, no good, lousy, rotten, and you need to repent because you're going to go to hell if you don't believe this. Yeah, so say the prayer so I can get a checkbox in my Sunday school class next Sunday. Do, do you see how silly it sounds? When the work that has happened at the cross was for all of us, and now we've been invited to be in fellowship with Christ and each other. Huh. Mirror Bible. I think this is the last one. Uh, a good. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.19. This is just that one verse. I want, I want you to see these two things together because there's an implication here. We talked about it at Easter. There's a mindset that says um, God turned his back on Jesus because, heck, he called out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's proof. See, he's separated from God. He, God can't handle sin. He had to turn his back on Jesus. He did not. That is a lousy narrow interpretation that when put to the test, you go, oh, wait a minute, maybe the Bible says something else. It does. Watch this. Our ministry declares that Jesus did not act independently. That's the God was in Christ. God was present in Christ when he reconciled the total cosmos. And down here we'll see cosmos in the New Testament refers to the entire human family to himself. Deity and mankind embraced in him. The fallen state of mankind was, oh, I like that, deleted. 
<laughs> That's a computer term that you get. All right. Their trespasses would no longer count against them. He now announces his friendship with every individual from within us. You are a friend of God. God has removed that veil. He's removed that shadow or that glass darkly. He smashed it so that we can know him. He is knowable. He is personable. The incarnation did not separate the Father from the Son and Spirit. In him dwells the fullness of God in human body, Colossians 2.9. As a human person, Jesus felt the agony of the fallen mankind on the cross when he echoed Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me, helping me with the words, uh, with the words of my groaning? But then in verse 24... David declares triumphantly, he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hid his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. <laughs> Jesus is declaring, Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's one of the Messianic Psalms. 22, 23, and 24. Oh yeah, he said, this is the time right now. I declare, my God, my God. It's here, now, this is it. <laughs> it's beautiful. You want to talk about another pattern? You'll love this. Romans 5. For since our friendship with God was restored, reconciliation, by the death of the Son, while we were still his enemies, pause, we were reconciled while we were still enemies. You need to think about that. It lays evidence to the case I'm making. It's already been done. We can certainly be saved through the life of a son, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. By the way, the term enemies... If um, let's say I'm mad at uh, James here for a minute or for an hour, but he's not mad at me because I think he's done something really wrong, and he doesn't have a clue. He's it's fine. He's my enemy for that hour, but it's not two-sided. It's one-sided. That's what enemy is. One-sided. It can be two, but it doesn't need two. It doesn't mean two people who hate each other. It means one person is cross or upset or whatever. We were God's enemies. We, we were mad at him. We would not believe. We could not see him as he really was because we, our minds were darkened and blinded. We did not have the capacity to see it all. And when Jesus took us into himself at the cross and made us new, he gave us a new mind, a new nature. We're new creations, a new species. I'm not making this up. You look it up yourself. But since we're here, let's take a look at a couple more. Romans 5.10 from the New American Standard Bible. Um, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by or in his life. So if we were blind and God still loved us and took us in and reconciled us, and that was a big deal, how much more good news is there then? Now we get to see how good this God is versus, well, he's pretty ticked off. You know, we got tiptoe around him and 
don't take them off. We've got to call Jesus to kind of be the asbestos suit from his wrath, right? That's how some people see it. Mirror Bible is how it reads. Romans 5.10. Our hostility and indifference towards God did not reduce his love for us. Love that. He saw equal value in us when he exchanged the life of his son for ours. This is the exchange life. The real exchange life. <laughs> Not, now that the act of reconciliation is complete, his life in us saves us from the gutter most to the uttermost. <laughs> it's beautiful. I have heard so many people who've come to faith, not because of some soapbox preacher in the corner, not because of a great sermon in a church, not from just a person speaking to them, but they heard a voice inside speak to them. It was already there. About 15 years ago, when I had to do some systematic theology in a tribe or denomination that probably wouldn't like this very much, um, they, uh, they implied that part already, that in order to say the prayer, Christ has to already be there. So something, something happened before we prayed the prayer, because you can't pray the prayer without the faith, because you can't make it up yourself, because you're an enemy, you're blind, right? So here, this has already happened. This is about building a case for trust, that God foresaw you, foreknew you made you right, reconciled you. We talked a couple weeks ago about stages of salvation. The scriptures talk about having been saved before the foundations of the work. Um, um, saved uh, in the sense of, uh, I'm in the process of being saved. Or another term is, will be saved. These terms are all there. And they're okay to talk about. They're not in conflict with each other. This, I believe, is non-negotiable. This is the lens. I look to Christ and what he says and what he has done for us as my source of where am I at with God. Reconciliation from the katakalaso, meaning a mutual exchange of equal value. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of the Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And I think Jesus wins. Love wins. You betcha. For all those who can't handle Rob Bell, too bad. His book is, title is right. Love wins. Because when true agape leads your life and your thoughts, there's no judgment of others. Unconditional. That's your DNA, whether you like it or not. Now let that new DNA run your life. Not religion. Religion will bind you up. Colossians 1, 19-22 says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. I read that quickly, didn't I? And yet, that is like a really good meal. <laughs> right there. God was in Christ reconciling the world. And where did the reconciliation take place? Easy answer. Where did it take place? Nancy, at the cross. Yes. At the cross. So God was in Christ. The Trinity never separated. It can't. Huh. 
Oh, and it doesn't say just it didn't reconcile believers. It said it reconciled everything. Everything. He's made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. Oh my goodness, really? What does that mean? I don't know. But I want to explore. I want to see the domino effect of what that can mean. It's going to take the rest of my life to see the magnitude of God's love. How far it really goes. And by the way, this includes you, who are once far away. We're once, we're once, we're once, we're once. Far away. Shrek. Just kidding. From God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Did you catch that? That's what separated us in our minds. That's where separation happened. (laughs) Yet now he has reconciled, past tense, you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless. Woohoo! Oh, go get your second cup of coffee. <laughs> You're blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. None of us have a fault before God. None of us. And next week, I'm going to talk about the pattern that shows we are forgiven. Because you've got to see those verses that lay the case that, hey, this is how much he loves us. Uh, Colossians 1.22 from the Passion Translation says, For God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself. Back to its original intent. Restored to innocence again. You are innocent. Any shame or guilt, false guilt you are thinking through, did not come from your union with Christ. It was a fed lie. Take that thought captive and do something with it. Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts, distant through evil thoughts and actions. Distant, separated from evil thoughts and actions. That's, that's where the separation happened. He reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as a sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. How many people need to hear this message? Everybody. The church needs to be reminded. Some have never heard this in the church. It's all conditional. It's based on your behavior because you can move in and out of presence with God because you're so powerful in your behavior. Yeah, really? Because your behavior really got you into God? You know, you acted well enough? Are you kidding me? No, 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 no. I'm going to trust this. And I have had to unlearn a lot. And I'm so glad I'm not done either. But sure, create a lot of stress, internal stress. Ephesians 2. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. 
<laughs> you know what that means? <laughs> you don't, do you? <sighs> Jews, Gentiles, the Jews, they were all, whoa, we're better than you, we're God's people. Yeah, you, you got to become like us, get circumcised, you know, God, do all the dumb rules we got to do, all that stuff. And then the Gentiles saying, we don't have to do any of that. And Jesus says, I've made you all one people now. It's not Israel or Jew, it's in Christ. The book I just finished reading, I think it was The Rise of the Mystics by Ted Decker. Oh my goodness, probably the best book I've ever read now. The whole theme of the book is growing and maturing. This one girl, for the two, it's a two-book series, but she has these seals that get, appear in her arm when she arrives at stages of growth. But really, now that I've finished the book, I realize, oh, that's the journey of maturing and waking up to realities of, of Christ and how we see everyone. And the phrase was, she saw all in Christi. You never use the word Christ. In Christi. It's like, <gasps> that is... An unbelievable maturity point. May we all arrive at a place of seeing everyone in Christ because our judgments about them, how we judge behaviors of people, how they look, whatever it is, that drops and becomes irrelevant because then safety to grow becomes possible. Not every place is safe to grow. They say they're safe, but... So long as you don't cross that line that we created for this denomination. <laughs> Ephesians 2 from the Passion says, The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over, forming one new race of humanity. Jews and non-Jews fused together. I'm not making this up! You get to look this up yourself and go, it does say that. Yeah. Two have now become one, and we live restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ through his crucifixion. Hatred died. There's no room for hatred in Christ. If you hate someone, then there is blindness and darkness in you doesn't mean light isn't there. Light is in you. But there's darkness that needs to be rejected, taken out. <laughs> Mirror Bible says, The peace he proclaims reveals one new human race, created and divine in Christ. Do you kind of see the pattern of translations? They're all saying the same thing. All right. I'm whipping through because I want to be done. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with his blood of his son and forgave our sins. This is where we're going to start next week. He forgave our sins. There's already some evidence. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins. There it is. Da -da -da -da. All because of the cascading riches of his grace. You're forgiven because of his grace. Not because of something you prayed. I used to pray that I had to ask for forgiveness all the time, and I'd make sure I got everything, because if I suddenly got hit in a car crash and died, well, you, you, know, you were a good believer, but you forgot to repent for cutting that person off that you actually hit and killed you. So, sorry, hell for you. That's really the thought process of the Christian religion, not Christianity. All right, we'll come back to this later. Ugh. 
I want to read to you a quote that's been in my hand this whole blinking time. This is from Rodim Williams. I saw it this morning on Judy Bergman. If you're watching, I stole this from you. Um, this is how he defined all this. All of God and all of mankind <clears throat> met in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the person <clears throat> who is both 100% God and 100% man. He is the mercy seat. He is the mobile tabernacle made of skin. He is the Holy of Holies who rent the veil top to bottom, inside out, once for all. He is the glory of God that has filled the earth with knowledge of the Maker. <clears throat> all separation and distance are consumed in the loving fire of His eyes for you. Behold him. Believe him. Now you get to choose how you want to respond. This is good news. Looking forward to next week when we get into a pattern that proves and shows we are forgiven already. And we'll talk about how then do we handle it when we do sin. What, what do we say? Uh, we'll talk about that next week. Let's pray 